So John chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Let's pray together. Help us now, Jesus. You make it crystal clear. Apart from you, we can do nothing. Nothing of any lasting significance. Not now, not ever. And so please, please, we're asking in your name that you would help us now to see you, to see your glory, to be changed by it, to trust you, and to become people who are devoted in prayer. Oh, please, Lord, be our help. We ask in your precious name. Amen. Okay, we're starting in the middle of an argument. If our text is verses 7 and 8, those last two verses, we're going to spend some time at the beginning looking at context. Verses 7 and 8 are about prayer this week. The topic is prayer, so those are the verses we're going to drill in on, but we're going to take some time to look at verses 1 through 6 because we're stepping right into the middle of what Jesus is saying. Once we look at the context, we're going to see three things. The first is, are the requirements for answered prayer. The requirements for answered prayer, there are conditions in this passage for our prayers being answered. And so with, after we look at context, we're going to see the requirements for answered prayer. Then we're going to look at the result of answered prayer. So when your prayer, your prayers are answered, there's a result. And we're going to look at that secondly. And then we're going to look at the results of the result of answered prayer. And if that's clear as mud, hopefully we can make it clearer near the end. So the requirements for answered prayer, the results of answered prayer, and the results of the result of answered prayer. That's where we're going. So I'm going to read the context again. I'm just going to read verses 1 through 6. Jesus starts here, verse 1. Look at it with me if you can. I'm the true vine. My father's the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you're clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You're the branches. 
Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. So Jesus is making clear here, you can't do anything apart from me. Just like a vine supplies life and nourishment to branches, and that's the way that they bear fruit, it's the same way with you. I am the one who gives life and nourishment to you. If you're going to bear any fruit, you have to abide in me. So we need to look at those, what do those phrases mean? Bearing fruit and abiding, because he's going to use them several times here in the context, and he's going to use them again in verses 7 through 8. So what do those phrases mean? Bearing fruit and abiding. Because we can't bear fruit, Jesus says, unless we abide in him. Bearing fruit, let's start with that. It's a picture of being spiritually productive. So the word bear means grow. If you bear something, you're growing something. Fruit means fruit. So if you're bearing fruit, you're growing fruit. It's a picture of being spiritually productive, healthy plants grow fruit. Healthy apple trees, what do they grow? Apples. Healthy grapevines, what do they grow? Grapes. What do healthy souls grow? Not grapes, not apples, but souls can be fruitful. Here's how the New Testament talks about bearing fruit. In Romans 1.13 and Philippians 1.22, Paul uses the phrase bearing fruit, and he's talking about other people being helped by his ministry. So he's saying the gospel was preached, and I was bearing fruit because people came to Christ, or the church was built up. So fruit bearing can be your ministry helping other people. Philippians 1.11, Hebrews 12.11, bearing fruit is growing in personal righteousness. So in those passages, it's called the fruit of righteousness. It's when your life becomes more holy. Colossians 1.10, bearing good fruits, means you do good works. When your life does good for others, the Bible calls that bearing fruit. And of course, one of the most famous passages about fruit in the Bible, Galatians 5, 22 and 23, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. When you grow in any of those areas, in love, in self-control, the New Testament would say your life is bearing fruit. That's what a healthy soul does. It bears fruit. Do you see that? That's what bearing fruit is in the New Testament. Now, just a note, that has nothing to do with your health. It has nothing to do with your status. It has nothing to do with how much money you have. A lot of times we hear, oh, he's such a fruitful person. And what we mean is he makes lots of money or he's got seven kids or something like that. Here in the New Testament, spiritual fruit is when your life is, is growing good works and people are helped by you and you are becoming more like Jesus. That's fruit bearing in the New Testament. And Jesus says, if you want to bear fruit, you have to abide in him. So what does abide mean? The Greek word is meno, and it means remain or stay. 
So the New International Version, Jesus says, remain in me as I remain in you. So meno, abide, it's talking about staying somewhere, remaining somewhere. So Jesus is saying, remain in me, stay with me, and I'll stay in you. But it's not passive. Do you know what I mean by passive? Passive is when you don't do something. So if I say, stay in bed, and you're already in bed, the way you do that is by not doing anything else. You don't do anything, you will stay in bed. If I say, stay in bed, you're going to stay there if you don't do anything. That's passive. That's not what Jesus is talking about. If you've ever been to the ocean, my parents took me and my sister to the beach when we were kids. They'd set up chairs on the sand, and they'd say, hey, you can go swim in the water. Just stay in front of us. If you've ever done that before, you're playing in the water, you're not paying much attention, and then you look up, and you're nowhere near where your parents' chair is. And so to remain in one place when you're swimming in the ocean, it's active. You're having to readjust. You're having to swim. You're having to get back to the point where you started. And that's the kind of remaining Jesus is talking about. It's not passive. Staying close to Jesus, remaining with him, requires effort. It's not easy. But staying close to Jesus, remaining with him, is how your life will bear fruit. So, in summary, closing up the context here. In verses 1 through 6, Jesus has been telling the disciples, if you want your life to produce any good works that please God, if you want to help anyone else spiritually in a way that's going to last, and if you want to change in any meaningful way, you got to be connected to me. Verse 5, apart from me, you can do nothing. And verse 6, a terrible warning. If you aren't connected, you will be lost. You will be thrown into the fire like a withered branch. And that leads us to verse 7, the requirements for answered prayer. So let's read verse 7 together. Jesus says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Okay, do you see two conditions here? Two conditions, two requirements for your prayers to be answered. He does not simply say, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. He says, Ask whatever you want if you are abiding in me and my words abide in you. So this is not a blank check. A blank check is when you have a check that's been signed by somebody who owns the bank account, but there's no number in the box or on the line. You can write whatever you want in there, and it's going to be paid for. That's not what this is. Many people... Think about prayer this way. You read a text, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. And they think, I've got a blank check. Really, whatever I can dream up, God must do it for me. That would make God your genie. 
rub the lamp, get some wishes, and it would make you God. He would run the uni- you would run the universe. He'd just make it happen for you. And Jesus is clearly saying that's not the case. The conditions, the requirements here are really important, really important for your life. If you want your prayers answered, these conditions are so important. Your prayers are answered when you are abiding in Jesus and his words are abiding in you. Notice something. If you've got the text in front of you, a change happens between verses 5 and verse 7. In verse 5, Jesus says this, Whoever abides in me and I in him. But verse 7 changes it. Jesus says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you. This is enlightening, okay? He's saying, in verse 5, if you abide in me and I abide in you. In verse 7, he's saying, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. How do you stay in Jesus? How do you remain in him? And how does he stay, remain in you? Verse 7, when his words abide in you. This is so important. Do you want to abide in Jesus? and have Jesus abide in you, then you need his word abiding in you. And this is the connection between last week's sermon and this sermon. Last week, Luke preached on the sufficiency of Scripture, saying, in the Bible, God tells you everything you need to please him. He doesn't tell you everything you might need to know in all of life. It just tells you everything you need to know to please him in everything you could do in life. And Jesus is saying, if that's in you, then I'm in you and your prayers will be answered. That's so crucial. And if you think about the other conditions for prayer in the New Testament, this makes sense. This isn't the only passage that has requirements for answered prayer in it. James 4.3. If you were around this summer, you would have heard this. James says, you ask and you do not receive. Why? Because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. So he's saying, listen, you can pray, but if you're praying selfishly just to get the things that you want, regardless of what God wants, he's not going to answer your prayers. 1 John 5, 14 and 15 say something similar. John says, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And we know we have the request that we've asked from him. How do you pray according to his will? When his word is in you. If you want to be the kind of person who knows what God's will is and your will becomes like his, you've got to have the word inside of you. There isn't another way. You may want to bypass it. You, everyone wants their prayers answered and they wonder why it's not happening. And Jesus is saying, my word has to be in you. Now, there's not a verse requirement. It's not like once you have 25 verses memorized, 
God will start answering your prayers. He's talking about the kind of person that you are. Is his word dwelling in you? Are you meditating on it, chewing on it? Is it changing the way you think and feel and what you desire? Because when it does, you will pray according to his will and your prayers will be answered. So the requirements for answered prayer are these. Are you connected to Jesus? Are you abiding in him? And are his words in you, changing you, transforming you? Here's the result of that. So those are the requirements for answered prayer. This is the result of answered prayer. The result of praying, your praying, is that you bear much fruit. Just look at how this text ties all this together. Look at verse 5. Verse 5 says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So Jesus is saying, you want your life to bear fruit? Abide in me. Be near me. But it's not automatic. There's a step in between. So so verse 5 is making it clear the way your life is going to bear fruit, the way you're going to have Jesus' life bearing fruit through you, the branch, is when you're near him. But verse 7 explains, verses 7 and 8, explain the way that it happens. It's by praying when we abide in him. Look at verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So Jesus is saying, okay, you want to be near me? That's how your life is going to bear fruit. But the way being near me bears fruit in your life is through prayer. Do you want your life to bear fruit? He's telling you how. It's through prayer. If you want to be a fruitful person, pray. Pray specifics. Do you want your neighbor to come to trust Jesus? Pray for him or her. Ask God for it. That's how your life will bear fruit. And if he doesn't answer in a day, pray again. And pray again and pray again. Do you want your life to change? Is there something about your life that you want to be more Christ-like? Pray. He's telling you how your life will bear fruit. It's through prayer. And notice, this is what prayer is for. It is for bearing fruit. That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, I want you to be near me and I want you to pray because I want you to bear fruit. That's what praying is about. It isn't about padding your lifestyle. It's about advancing the kingdom of God. Do you use prayer that way? Or do you use God with your prayers? Prayer is intended to bear fruit. And that's what it results in. It's the only way your life will bear fruit. Prayer. Okay, the results of that result. So, I was intentionally confusing with that heading, hoping maybe some of your interests would be piqued long enough 
to stick this far into the sermon. The results of the results. So you pray, that bears fruit. And you bearing fruit results in some things, the text says. It results in two things. God being glorified and you being proven to be Jesus' disciple. Verse 8. I'll read 7 and 8. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. When your life bears fruit, you prove to be a disciple of Jesus. You prove to be a follower of Jesus. You bearing fruit is important for you, for you to know that you really belong to Jesus. And it's important for others to see that you really do belong to Jesus. You know, there, there are lots of different kinds of vines in the world. If someone's to say to you, hey, that right there, that's a grapevine. The fastest way they could prove it to you is if they show you some grapes on it. They show it. Now, growing grapes doesn't make a vine a grapevine. Does that make sense? It grows grapes because it is a grapevine. Bearing fruit doesn't make you a Christian. It just shows that you really are connected to Jesus. When your life bears fruit, when God uses you to open someone's eyes to who he really is, when God uses you in a meeting to encourage someone who's down, when God changes you, no one else sees it, but you become a more loving person or more self-controlled person, more like Jesus, that should encourage you. I'm in the vine. And he's in me. There's no way I could have done that by myself. It increases your confidence in ministry and your confidence in prayer when you prove to be a disciple. And it proves to others that you're Christ's disciples. I mean, they, they can hear you say it. Jesus saves. There's no one like Jesus. No one's as powerful as Jesus. He says he can change people's lives. Or they can see it. They can see the fruit in your life. They can see for themselves he's powerful. They can taste and see his glory for themselves. And the way they do it is when they see him bearing fruit in your life. That's one result. You prove to be a disciple. It's crucial. It's crucial for your soul and for the souls of those around you. And when you pray and bear fruit, God is glorified. You see that in verse 8? By this, my Father is glorified. There is not a greater life than one that magnifies the greatness of God. And he can be glorified in you. You may be saying, nope. Not me. He can. He can be glorified in your life. He can be glorified more or less in your life. Did you know that? And it comes through you bearing fruit. Think about this passage. You remove prayer from the argument that Jesus is making. What are you left with? No glory for God. 
and no evidence that you really belong to him. How precious is this? Fruit comes through prayer, church. And when your life, your specific life, it can and will bear fruit if you're in Jesus and you're praying to him, it will glorify God and you will prove to be a disciple. That's the promise. That's the promise. The reason we talk about the word and prayer when we open a new year is because we want this to happen in you. For the word of Jesus Christ to be in your heart and your mind and your soul so that when you pray, he answers and your life bears fruit and God is glorified and you prove to be his disciple. So let's give ourselves to prayer. Now here's some practical encouragements. I mean, I, I don't normally try to throw in application that's not in the passage, but this is a topical sermon on prayer. And you're saying, okay, I want to pray. How do I do it? So here are four or five encouragements. Read the Bible and save enough time to pray what you read. If you just get down on your knees and you're like, today I'm praying. 2022 is going to be the year of prayer. You'll probably make it three minutes. You'll look at the clock and be like, it must have been 45. Nope, three. Three minutes. That's what happens when you pray without content. But if you pray the word, you read the word, and it's in your mind. It's right there on the page. And you pray back to God the things that he wants. That's how his word can abide in you, and you can pray. Now, listen. You should save time, too. It's sometimes we carve out time for, for Bible reading, save 25 minutes, and we pray, I mean, we read for 24, and then we pray for one. Carve out some time. Say, I'm going to read for 20 minutes and pray for five. Read the Bible, save enough time to pray what you read. Okay, that's encouragement one. Use our membership directory. If you're a member, you have access to our church's member directory. You can look at people's faces who belong to this congregation and you can pray for them. And, and Jesus will bear fruit through those prayers. Even if they never know that you're praying for them, you will bear fruit in praying for them. It's content and it's there for you if you're a member. And by the way, if you are a member, you don't know how to get a member directory, email me, Luke, talk to us. We'll get one to you. Encouragement three. Talk to God like he's a real person, because he is. Talk to him like he's a real person, because he is. In your voice, I just wrote two notes here, and in your posture. Sometimes we, we just, we got to throw out the crazy language when we're talking to God. We bless you, Father. Thee are so worthy and mighty. And we're not saying anything like we're talking to a real person. We're doing a ritual. He is real. He created language. And he likes when you communicate with him. Sometimes it helps to pray out loud. We feel like we're having some mystical experience in our head and realize we haven't actually asked God anything. If you can, pray out loud. The posture of your body, when you're talking to him like he's a real person, if you kneel, it doesn't do anything to God's heart. If you stand up, it doesn't do anything to God's heart. But you know what it might do? It might affect your heart to kneel. It might affect some humility in you, and God loves it. That's what he loves. Not the posture of your body, the posture of your heart, but use the posture of your body to get there. Here's 
the last encouragement, I think. Schedule at least some time alone to pray. If, if you say to yourself, okay, I'm just going to pray when I'm, you know, walking to the bathroom at work, it's not going to be real powerful prayers. You need time with you and the Lord where you can pour out your heart to him, where you can kneel, and where you can speak out loud, and it will change the way you pray throughout the day. It will. And I'll add a fifth encouragement to that. (laughs) One time a day. Just start with one time a day when you want to grab your phone to distract yourself or entertain yourself. Put it back in your pocket and take that time to pray. That may seem like a real small step. It will change the complexion of your day. And when you see the Lord bearing fruit through you, you're going to want it more. And he will. He will. So let's ask him now to be our help and to make us praying fruitful people. Let's pray. We believe you, Lord. We believe that apart from you, we can do nothing. And we believe that our lives will not bear any fruit. We will not prove to be your disciples and you will not be glorified in our lives without prayer. Oh, Lord, make us praying people. Make us believe that when your word's abiding in us and we pray, you answer us and you bear fruit. Oh, please make us believe. Change our lives. Change our church. Change this city for the glory of your name. That's what we want. And we cannot bear fruit any other way with all our strategizing, planning, doing. We cannot affect anything that lasts apart from you. Oh, please make us praying people. Do it, Lord. Bear fruit in this prayer. We ask in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.